Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Like always, I am your host, Sean Siriani, and we got a great episode for you. But before we get into this one, I want to make an apology. One of the first ones we did when we transitioned from the studio to Zoom calls, and I kind of fucked up a little bit on the audio end, um, not on my guest side. Luckily, the important things are all audible, but there's moments in my part which is a little choppy, and that is because I remember too, and I'm an idiot, but that day I was messing around with actually like streaming video games on my computer, and I accidentally moved around some of the sound drivers without putting them back to normal, and when the Zoom call kicked in, it recorded my voice through the webcam which is not meant for that and it's uh was kind of low quality but you can still hear everything just on my end it sounds like i'm speaking through a tin can or something i don't know but this all in all is a fantastic episode um because today my guest this one was a long time coming he's uh somebody who's influenced me in doing podcasting but this episode features robert pospani he is a heavy metal and rock and roll journalist in New York City and is the founder of MetalInjection.net. It's one of the most popular and f- most fun websites where you can get heavy metal news. And uh, yeah, beyond the rock and metal talk in this interview, Rob's story is just incredible. And I think anybody can be inspired by it. Um, he truly took the things that he is passionate about And if you're a content creator in any way or somebody just pushing towards a goal, um, I think you can get a lot of inspiration out of Rob's story. And I'm so happy to share this with you today. But before we get into this one, I want to thank our sponsor. And if you're a vegan, plug your ears because today we are sponsored by The Meat Shop in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And The Meat Shop just happens to be the best butcher shop in all of Southern Ontario. And not only do the reviews online say that, almost five stars right across the board on Google reviews, but I actually go there myself and it is fantastic. So I know the winter's coming real soon. You might want to get a couple barbecues in. And if you're looking to get some steaks and some chickens and some fresh sausages, and you live in the Niagara Falls or Southern Ontario area, it's worth your while to go out of your way and hit up the meat shop. Also, if you are a pet owner, the meat shop also specializes in dog food. And this dog food is taking the city of Niagara by storm. Sources have told me that it's hard for them to even keep up with the demand. Some high-quality raw dog food. And it's growing so big that they've actually invested in a second location to produce all this and keep up with the demand. So if you want to give your pet a special treat, you can also get that at the meat shop as well. And they are located at 4725 Dorchester Road. Once again, Niagara Falls, Ontario. And if you happen to stop in, tell Fred we sent you. All right. And lastly, before we get into this episode, I want to thank 
those of you, the two of you who are on my Patreon. Ola Mazuka, the first patron, and also one of the most badass real girls I've ever met in my life. She's also the host of a podcast of her own called The Fold. You can check that out if you type in The Fold on Spotify or check out Sonic Fold on Instagram. And her show features some of the most conscious talks I ever heard in this community. And every time I listen to an episode, I'm either inspired or I just want to be a better person. And you can't lose when you go check out The Fold and put that in your ears. It's something really positive for you. And also a big thank you to the co-producer, Jeremy Hopkin at Hopkin Design. Not only is he an amazing graphic designer, he is also a historian and he blends the two together. You can check that out at Hopkin Design on Facebook. And if you need some work done of your own, feel free to hit him up. He's a friendly guy and just really talented. And I can't stress that enough. That's actually an understatement. He is the man. So shout outs to Jeremy. Thank you for supporting the show. And if you at home want to support the show at all, you can head over to patreon.com slash the creative imbalance or just simply keep on listening and maybe even hit the share button if you got a little extra energy in your hand. Also, you're listening to the audio version. We got these on YouTube, a brand new YouTube channel that could use some love. But with that being said, we're going to dive into this one. He's the man, the myth, the legend, Robert Posboni of Metal Injection, coming at you right now. trying to do all of these in person just the way of the world flowing and have to change and adapt and everything and i've seen you've been doing that too so like how have you been doing throughout this whole uh COVID experience? yeah i mean it's a it's a pleasure to be on and uh, and i'm honored to have in any way inspired you to be more creative that's awesome uh for me really it uh hasn't changed too much uh like I work from home, uh, so like my day to day is basically the same. The only difference is like I have nowhere to go at night. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just you know like I'm I before the pandemic I was kind of like over shows, and I was just like I I would joke with friends that I've retired from going to shows. Like I <laughs> I would only go if it was a band that I'd never really seen before, or if it's just like you know a sugar or something. But if it's band that I've seen a million times, even if I like them, I was just like, I, I could, I could skip it. But now I'm like fiending. I really, really <laughs> just want to yeah. go. Yeah, definitely. Cause it's like such a, when you think about it, it's such a big part of your life too. Like you connected uh, your work with that and everything. And just even the whole story of the metal injection platform. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, uh, we've taken a hit uh, because of it. Uh, you know, like our main source of revenue is advertising, of course, you know, like in addition to Metal Injection, I run an ad network, Blastbeat network, and uh, we essentially lost all of our advertising overnight because our main advertisers are essentially like Live Nation and AEG and all the shows got canceled, so they don't need to advertise them. So, uh, yeah, like it, it's it's been a bit of an adjustment, but, you know, I have some savings. We're fine. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's good to hear, too. And like you don't have to move to Florida to keep things rocking or anything. But uh... well, I would never move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> inspired at Florida. But uh, yeah, I kind of want to go back in time with you a bit. Um, I sure. remember discovering metal injection in 2004, uh, pre YouTube. And uh, I remember just coming and like uh, I ended up uh, just watching one segment of Headbangers Ball that changed my life for I don't know the better or the worse, but it was just like this metalcore block. And I never heard metalcore before. It was like Kill Switch Camara. I was like, what is this music? I need more. So I was searching the internet and um, I came across Metal Injection. And uh, I noticed you guys were like posting all these episodes pre-YouTube had to download the file I was like watching them on like real player or some shit like that and um yeah I remember them like or hearing your story too even like you guys been doing this prior to that on cable access am I correct uh it was uh both at the same time so we actually started uh we launched the site uh January 1st 2004 and uh, so you got in pretty early. <laughs> you were in from almost the start. Uh, and uh, we, the concept, we kind of came up with the idea in, I want to say, like looking back at, funny enough, like some old live journal entries I have. <laughs> uh, the concept we came up with in like May of 2003. And by came up with, I mean, we were just stoned in a basement watching public access. And uh, we were watching Brooklyn Public Access uh, and there was a metal show that came on and it came on every week and we would watch it and just like kind of shit on it. <laughs> like looking back, it's like we were a little unfair to it, but you know, we weren't thinking that at the time, but we were just like, oh, we could do this so much better. And then it was just like, why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, uh, start it up? And so uh, our thought was initially, yeah, to start a public access show. Like we were thinking very small, very local. And uh, it took basically six months to get approved uh for some reason we weren't approved like it's like a, a quarterly approval thing and we weren't approved for the first i forget what it was but we, we didn't get approved until january and so then we were like all right well now we have like a deadline to launch the site the idea was to have like the site uh and the show and then have like a radio show because at the time i was still in college doing radio and kind of do like all forms of media uh for metal injection which you know even thinking now is just like what the hell were we like that's such a like scale it down a little bro <laughs> and, and uh yeah so uh we launched as a public access show and then funny story is they sent us this big acceptance letter that we would be on saturdays at 3 p.m and so we kind of all got together and 3 p.m came and we turned on the channel and it wasn't our show and we were so pissed because it was actually 3 a.m. That, <laughs> that we got. And funny enough, we were hanging out together the night before at 3 a.m., I remember. And we could have watched it, but we just didn't know. 
but anyway, so like the, the public access uh, audience obviously is very limited. And I remember the public access channel had like a live stream you could link to and we crashed their live stream. And then we were just like, well, why? Like we were getting way more attention on the website, obviously since it's global. And uh, I actually remember a big critique about the first episode was that people thought it would be more professional based on like the marketing, which I kind of took as a as a compliment because we had no money. So like (laughs) to make people assume that it would be a much bigger deal than it was, it was like cool. But yeah, so then uh, long story short, you know, we started just posting the episodes online. And like you mentioned, it was before YouTube. So there was like no way to stream video other than real player. And like, uh, it was just brutal. They were like 200, like, where are you hosting a 200 megabyte file in 2004? Like this is before Dropbox or Google Drive or like back when, you know, hard drives were only like 50 gigabytes or something like that. You know, like it was, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but, uh, and eventually, you know, like, so we eventually kind of kept adjusting the business plan uh, for lack of a better word, and that we never really had a plan. We were just kind of going with it and hoping something would happen. And and then eventually kind of morphed into like, re- we realized that like the half hour format was pointless because it was just kind of delaying things for us. It was taking too long to finish full episodes. And, you know, this was now a little post, like a year or two after when YouTube came along and video on demand is a little more of a thing so we started doing like clips more and and transitioning more into like kind of a blog and this was even before uh blogging was a term so yeah 16 years has been quite a while (laughs) a lot of things uh like and i'm gonna get to them too but it seems like you kind of like a little ahead of the curve of a little everything in the the heavy metal media and even like it's cool to hear about like the whole thing of pitching to like, the public access now because like um now I, I get like some messages from some people asking like uh how do you start a, a podcast and blah 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 and I'll, I'll give them little steps here and there and then it turns into them being like oh that's so much work but when you think when you wanted to make content like 20 years ago and like what you guys did it's like quadruple the, the amount of work you have to put in to make your make your thing come to life and, uh, yeah, it comes yeah absolutely life on your passion yeah even uh like with our podcast we kind of started it right as like podcasting kind of began so yeah there was no tutorials or podcasting services or how you get seated on like spotify it's like so much easier now like i, I sometimes wish i was 10 years younger because all the things that I was doing, it's so much easier to do now. Like even when I was going to school, uh, I was I wanted to major in web design, and there was no such major. There was either computer science or or art. But like you have to know how to paint and like do physical art, and I'm not good at that. Uh, so it was kind of like oh I don't like you had to, we had to carve our own way sort of. And now it's like there's like you said it's so much easier now to do it. And really the reason why we made it, you kind of touched on it is because we put in the effort, like no matter how shitty it was or, you know, uh, or like how tough it was, we weren't like thinking, what am I going to get out of this? It was just like, no, I want to do this and and I'm going to do it and I'm going to finish it no matter what it takes. And I think that's kind of what differentiated us from like some other people that tried to start up. 
I think one thing too that uh, attracted me to it, uh, I mentioned the, the metalcore days where I just wanted more and more of that and I uh, ended up finding Metal Injection. And after I downloaded uh, one of your episodes, I remember just the vibe of it and how fun the episode was. It seemed like uh, just a bunch of friends having fun doing like Saturday Night Live, like Mad TV style skits. And especially like um, where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of people listening to heavy metal. And there was a couple dudes, but they kind of took it too seriously, <laughs> like in a way where you guys like kind of just uh, made it, not not make a total mockery of everything, but you guys had fun with it, and like you were like willing to like joke about it too. And it was uh, it was it was fun for me as a viewer to watch that because uh, you're hitting all these points of like uh, this niche humor <laughs> that was only like funny to me and everything. But uh, yeah, it was it was so cool like to see how that was just presented that way too. And, like, going thanks, into yeah, where you guys like. Uh, like kind of thinking like we okay i we kind of want to do like skits as well like and also promote some um, bands and music videos and stuff it's it's quite a unique experience back in the day yeah uh my experience kind of uh was similar to yours in that like you know the scene was blowing up and we were getting into all these cool bands and we wanted to talk about them and there really wasn't an outlet i think we even launched uh like maybe right before headbangers ball or maybe we had the idea and then headbangers ball came and then like we were like shit but they're really what like even that that was like an hour saturdays at 10 p.m and it was very limiting uh what they played and we were much more uh freeform with it and uh, another funny thing is like back then the challenge was even getting music videos because like again there was no youtube there was no online uh like destination to rip videos from so we'd have to cold email record labels and most of them you know were like who the fuck are you like you have to show me something and uh and so that was kind of a process too and it was like growing and to answer your question about the sketches uh it happened very organically uh initially it was the idea was just to do a straight up kind of headbangers ball ripoff uh, and but also it wasn't just going to be like Headbangers Ball like we wanted music videos and then like live footage and then go to shows and we would have our own live footage and classic uh, videos like Frank had a uh, my, my partner uh, had a huge uh, collection of VHS tapes that he was collecting like because he's he was a huge huge metal fan way bigger uh, than I was at the time so he had this huge backlog that we kind of sourced for our early episodes when we didn't have the music videos uh and then uh then we, we would be getting compilation and it's so funny to think like we would get vhs tapes uh with like like a label would send like a sampler but like a music video thing uh, uh and it's a vhs tape so then we would have to sit there and like rip the video off the vhs set which meant like putting it in pressing play and then recording and watching it through in real time it's it's it was so uh, archaic uh and then i guess like so the first few episodes are like really embarrassing but then we started kind of inviting more friends over like we would all just hang out anyway all the time and we would just come up with a silly idea and then just shoot it and it re like how you said it just looked like a bunch of people hanging out having a good time that's really all it was that we we took it like we did not take it seriously <laughs> like uh we tried to but it was it was just a hang and, and we were just we just happened to 
do bits and then we kind of like got more and more into it and like when the response was getting good like we were getting more creative with ideas and then i feel like after a year or so it kind of became uh like we ran out no i don't want to say we ran out of, it was like okay what do we do now like like we've already like done all the jokes so it was a little harder to come up with concepts so that also kind of helped uh like switch over to the on-demand format yeah that's cool to hear yeah it was like such a spectacle just <laughs> everything and uh and uh, yeah man and um going uh like fast forwarding a little bit too it's like i kind of took the route away from doing those half hour blocks and episodes kind of made like individual like music videos and etc like that and uh, I would follow I would be on the forums I had all you guys on MySpace, and uh, yeah I just loved the content and I think what was really awesome um, was you, you mentioned it too it was kind of predating um, podcasts being popular and you guys uh, did um, the metal injection live cast which is still going till this day and I want to say as like somebody who's been watching this for like almost 20 years now, like the, the metal injection platform, it's yeah. really charming to see that still that core group of friends get together once a week and still do your thing. And like with the layers of inside jokes and like, just it's, it's so cool. Like, um, so um, even I remember that first episode of the live cast, uh, and uh, you guys turned it on and I was like listening to it live. And for the first like 20 minutes or so, you guys didn't know it was working. <laughs> and you guys were just like talking about, is this on, is this on? And it was just such hilarious like banter too. And like, uh, yeah, do, what, what is your uh, like intake of like starting the, the live cast? Uh, yeah, so yeah, like we've actually been doing the podcast now for uh, 11 or 12 years and uh, pretty brutal right now there's a thunderstorm happening so it's oh, like yeah. it's really adding to the to the effect but uh yeah we kind of started right as podcasts were happening and i'm honestly surprised we still do it too uh just in the sense of like i can't believe like before the quarantine even you know we get together once a week every week uh it's like the after metal injection the biggest commitment i've ever had <laughs> yeah, so yeah. uh but really it started it started in college it predates even metal injection uh, the idea for metal injection just because i met well i knew i have known noah since high school but i met sid and darren in college and through the college radio station that we did and we we would do a show uh friday nights and we had so much fun doing it but then uh the reason it was fun though was because the radio station like the college that we went to they didn't give a shit about the radio station so it's kind of like they let us just do whatever the fuck we want and it was nice. great but then they got this huge investment and they actually built a new station that was actually uh, like the the station that when we were there was like in this closet all the way on the other end of the campus compared to like the tv and radio department so like it was so hard to get like no one ever bothered even showing up like our supervisor would come maybe maybe once a month uh but then like they got a big investment and they like built a really really nice uh radio station in the department and so there was way more restrictions and then we just stopped doing it 
Uh, but then we were like, this was so fun. Like we really, really, we genuinely have such a great time. Like I, I obviously we wouldn't be doing it still uh, if we weren't. Uh, so we just came up with doing the podcast to kind of continue that and it morphed into its own thing. Yeah, yeah. Even just like predating the curve of like all the wave of so many, like everybody has a podcast now. Um, I think it was, it was cool. Like even like you guys called it the live cast. Was like podcasting even a term yet? Because I remember a couple shows like even like around that time there was you guys and I would tune into Rogan, but he was just like answering questions on his webcam. It was very early and he didn't call it a podcast either. And no, yeah, it did. the term podcast definitely existed uh, because we also did a few other podcasts. Uh, I did a podcast I remember called Brain Damage. Noah did a power metal show called Power Hour. Uh, so it was, it was like literally just starting. Like uh, I remember maybe like Apple just announced that iPods can have podcasts now or so. And this was even predating iPhone. Uh, but yeah, so it started. And then the reason we wanted to do the live cast is because when we would do our college radio show, the reason we wanted it live specifically is uh, because, uh, yeah, like when we did the college radio show, we would take callers and the callers were like the best part. Like they totally made the show. So we really wanted something with callers. And that's why we, we figured doing it live would make the most sense and we did it like friday nights and we did a friday nights just because we all worked at the time and it was just like well here's an excuse to kind of get together but then like it was just like oh no guest will want to like call us on a friday like they're all doing shit yeah, so yeah. we had to like switch it up uh but yeah no podcasting it was very very uh in its very early form no like explaining to people what it was kind of like took a few sentences extra uh, but then now it's kind of blown up. Yeah, we're, we're totally like lost in the shuffle now. But it's still crazy. Like we still get fans that are like, I just learned about your podcast three months ago and I've gone back now and I'm listening to all the episodes, which is insane to me because it's like we're up to episode 575 or something like that. So that's like, and uh, you know, they're like, some of the shows are two hours, some of them are three hours. So that's like a lot of time listening to us. <laughs> and uh, especially some of that, some of that old stuff, it's like, you know, uh, it's 10 or 11 years ago. And like listening back now, I'm like, I'm a little embarrassed of, <laughs> oh, yeah, some yeah. of the it, stuff I found funny. I know I, I used to call in a bunch too. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to what I was doing <laughs> that either. But what's interesting too, it's like, um, even beyond yourselves, uh, you guys created like, this community and in a way too like um i still keep in touch with some of the callers from like 11 years ago where we, like, we all got each other on like facebook and shit like that and uh, even just like the other week it was like my birthday and i, I swear like four of them from who i met through calling in the metal injection live cast wish me like a happy birthday and stuff so it's it's crazy how like um and beautiful how you guys created like this platform and it kind of expanded beyond yourself and like kind of made like this community. Yeah, that's that's always uh, my favorite thing too. We also have a Discord now. We have just like an ongoing chat going throughout the week. And it's really fun to even just see like on Facebook, I'm friends with the fans of the show and just seeing them interact with each other, like coming up on my feed, like independent of the show, you know? And, then, and yeah, like I've done, uh, we have a lot of callers, sorry, a lot of listeners in LA and when I would be down there, I would do meetups and it's just like, you people each drove like an hour each way just to hang out for 
it's you awesome. know like whatever uh so it's so cool and and yeah it, it's awesome and it, like i'm very thankful for it i'm very, uh, i feel very lucky to be able to do it and to have people care just like a, it's one thing i think is cool about your story rob too is like overall just following your passion and like it like making this thing and it continues to snowball and snowball and snowball it's uh i guess it, it's led you to like so many different uh adventures in the industry of music and being able to connect with like somebody like your heroes and like because you yourself like i want to say to people listening you've interviewed everybody <laughs> like oh man like some of the biggest names in rock and metal and pro wrestling and um yeah what is what are your thoughts on like just like kind of the overall like journey of like an evolution of what you've done uh yeah it's it's like pretty wild to think about uh i just sometimes i still can't believe that like i'm still doing this or that i'm doing it at all uh uh, we've been doing it full time, maybe 10, 11 years now. And the first two years, it was like, oh, I don't know how long we'll be able to do this. I can't pay for anything. I was so broke. But now we're, you know, like my bills are paid. I could I, I live. I'm not like rich, but I'm living comfortably off of my own work. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. And I'm constantly, constantly like even in my most jaded days, <laughs> thankful for that. And. <laughs> As for the like meeting my heroes, that's the biggest perk. That's the like, that's the most surreal part of uh, the whole thing. And like, you know, they're they're the longer I do it, the less I have like these sort of like starstruck moments. But like, yeah. uh, but even still, like sometimes it happens, and it's like I just can't sleep the whole night because I'm like I can't believe uh, we hung out and I fucking talked to James Hetfield and I interviewed him and you know like or. Or like, or any wrestlers, or just like being backstage, and like, there was a moment where I uh, ended up in like Slayer's dressing room doing shots with Kerry King and his wife, and like the whole time I'm just like, don't say anything because you're gonna say something stupid that's not funny, <laughs> and, and it's gonna fuck everything up. And but it was like so cool just hanging out with all of them, and then like I just had to, I was like, all right. I am like, nobody's talking to me. <laughs> I'm like flipping out right now. I need to find a way to excuse myself. to Thank everyone for politely like letting me be here, but I don't need to be here. I need to go. And uh, so uh, this was at an award show and uh, Guns N' Roses were about to play. And so I was just like, oh, I'm going to, I really want to go <laughs> watch Guns N' Roses. So thanks for, and they were like, oh, of course, we understand. Go ahead. Like it wasn't rude. And then I walk out of the, the uh their dressing room and like you know to the right is where i came from but then to the left it's the stage <laughs> and guns and roses is right there and i'm like uh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go watch them from the stage and if someone tells me something i'll leave uh, and then I just they I let, watch guns they and roses. stay there too and just watch yeah them. they let nobody nobody said shit. i mean again i'm not like in the way i stood out of the way but like it was amazing, and it, and there was the added benefit that there were, there were. Uh, I remember like a big thing was my battery was dead, but I had my charger on me, so I also was like charging my phone while watching Guns N' Roses from the side of the stage. It was, and it was just like, what the fuck is like? What am I doing here? Who am I? You know, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, kind of like look back at your life of being like a fan of the music, and then all of a sudden, years with everybody in a way. But uh, 
you really put in the work in and it's all deserved and everything. And um, I feel like um, I'm having little moments like that too, where it's like, it's funny to kind of hear your internal narrative of being in a room with like Slayer. And I've had like some recent moments like that too, where it's just like, you're overthinking the situation. It's like, okay, Sean, play cool. Don't say anything stupid and just like be like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, um, it's interesting uh, what can happen when you kind of, unapologetically like embrace your passions and turn them into something else like just kind of follow your dreams and I don't know it's cool to hear your story because everybody who I interview on this show uh who've uh, kind of grown and whatever they do like from stand-up comedy to music to pro wrestling or whatever it's uh they all have like in a way just this similar attitude of just giving her and like Kind of being like like I mentioned like unapologetic with following your dreams um, have you ever had like any moments um, in the early years where you kind of doubted yourself like going yeah forward? oh I mean still <laughs> still now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to your point I do want to say that like you know I, uh, re the reason I kept doing it like it took I took all the things I was good at which was like uh, building websites uh, all the stuff and I applied it to something that I really, really enjoyed, which is heavy metal. And so I think that, like, because I was working on stuff that I was truly passionate about, it uh, it motivated me to keep going, even though there was like zero monetary gain. There was loss. Like I would, I had to pay uh, to do it for the first six years. Uh, so, like, that's kind of what I would say to people who want to do, like, you know, like I always get. Uh, people come up to me as well like like you mentioned just like oh what kind of uh advice like how do you do it what's your secret and like you know like i i try to tell them like no 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 what's your secret and like the secret is you just have to do it you just have to do it and and and, and reiterate like keep doing it uh keep working at it and like figure out what works and also i think a big part of it is being able to adjust on the fly uh, like metal injection right now is a completely different thing than it was 16 years ago. And it's a completely different thing than it was not. It's a slightly different thing than it was five years ago. Even. Uh, cause we're constantly like the internet is changing. Uh, like what, what can be profitable is changing. Like, so we've adjusted with the times. Like we, there was a period where we were hosting our own videos and we were like, we're going to be the metal YouTube. Uh, and then it was just like, we can't afford to be the metal YouTube. They, the, the server cost for hosting video is insane. And we don't like to give a specific example. We don't have the sales staff to then go and sell like the video ads that would pay for all the video hosting. So like our, like it, it was like at that moment that I'm like, all right, metal injection is a company that's two, like two full-time people, me and Frank. And then like we have, you know, freelancer, but it's like, what can we do with, within our resources? And then like kind of work with that like don't don't you know you could set goals uh very high but uh you gotta like th there has to be some like realism and like okay i'm not getting there maybe i need to readjust and like have a new goal uh and there's nothing wrong with that um to do that and i'm sorry what was your, what was the question though <laughs> but you're, you're you're dropping some gems right now and uh yeah, it's true. It's it's so important to just like go with the flow because I think like sometimes when I don't know, you start these things, you have like an envision of how it's gonna go and this is my plan and like that's when you get humbled <laughs> like hard sometimes. Uh, and um, 
Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. Sixteen, like I don't know what the business was. Like our goal was like we're gonna get metal injection on TV, and we're gonna get a show on the radio, and you know the website will like be ads for it. But it's like, what TV station is gonna pick up a metal show? <laughs> you know, like, and why would they pick us? Like, why would they go with us and not you know like Jamie Jossa? Uh, and so like, like reality comes crashing down on your naivete. And that's kind of when you have to be like, well, what is realistic? What, uh, what can you do? And and another thing I learned that I like, it took me a while to learn, and I think it's very important, uh, is that like I would, there would be a lot of uh, like jealousy uh, about like other people's success and like, oh, why are they getting this opportunity and and I'm not getting this opportunity and and I I it took me a while, but I realized like that's the absolute wrong way. To look at it because uh like you can only control what you do like how much work you put in you can't control how much work your competitor puts in or what kind of like uh access they have or or what privilege they have that you don't have that makes like giving them the opportunities that you you're jealous of so you could only the only person you could really compete with is yourself like you like the only way, like I stopped judging my success a, a long time ago based on how others are succeeding. And I instead ju judged it based on like how, how successful I am. Like, am I more successful than I was last year? Am I more successful than I was five years ago? Am I more successful than I was last month? Has there been growth? And, and, and you really can only compete with yourself. That's the only, and otherwise you're gonna go crazy. The best way to really well said rob and uh yeah like uh and that's like beyond just media that's in life in general yeah with with any any project that you do you can't look at others and start getting like cynical and jealous and like being like even with a band like oh why is this band in our scene getting this uh record label deal or whatever like they sound so shitty like i practice so much more i put in so much it's like it doesn't matter they they're getting the deal because they're drawing 200 people why like instead of being mad at them figure out how you could draw 200 people so that people care about your band. You know, like that's, I, I have no time. Like I used to sulk like that so much, but it's like, it's a total waste of time. It does. I mean, it, it could be cathartic for a minute, <laughs> but ultimately you have to realize like, look, this is what I have. How can I improve it? How can I work to making it bigger? I even think that that energy too, uh, comes off as like very unattractive for people too. If somebody's just always like sulking or whatever, like, um, you want to get new followers, fans, or whatever, just, I don't know, you just got to, like, kind of carve your own path, do something unique in, like, your story. Yeah. And nobody owes you anything. Your friends don't owe you listening to your band or going to your show. You have to earn that. You have to convince them that it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Did you find, like, um, I don't know, I'm kind of getting this with uh, the podcast that, uh, strangers are way more supportive than people like I've grown up with, which I'm okay with, where it's just like, I don't know what it is, just because maybe people remember the old uh, college version of me when I was like an idiot or whatever, and I evolved so much, and uh, these people are kind of seeing the evolution of what, I don't know, my work is later on, and they're like more gung-ho about it than people like, I don't know, from my past. I don't know if you've, you've uh, experienced that in like, your metal. Uh, I just, I like for me, I didn't uh, care what my friends yeah. think, kind of. Like, it's not, 
I I realize like if they like it, great. If they don't, that's fine too. Like they're not going to make me successful. Like my friends, like like I ultimately have to build an audience of people that do want to hear uh, what I'm saying, and then that's that like that's more authentic as opposed to like people that you know owe it to you to yeah, to listen sure. or whatever. Yeah, and like you said, nobody owes you anything at the end of the day, too. It's, it's just important to keep doing your thing if you believe in it and keep pushing forward. And yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see. Again, I keep saying it's cool to see your journey, and not no, not only you, like um, even the other members of Metal Injection too. Like the few months ago, like before the whole COVID thing, um, I remember just like scrolling on Facebook on the comedy, not comedy network. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Comedy Network's the American one, right? Or no, Comedy Central. Okay, I'm getting the stations mixed up. Uh, yeah. In Canada, it's Comedy Network. In America, it's Comedy Central. I was just scrolling by, and um, they showed a clip of uh, Nikki Blazer's show. And all of a sudden, I see Noah in the background. And then she pipes in, and then her name, like, popped up. And it's it's cool to see, like, her, like, from, like, the early metal injection days. Now she's just been killing it on... Sirius XM. You even were on Sirius for a while too, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a really fun opportunity to DJ. That was another dream uh, I had, and it was so surreal. Uh, and it felt so validating. It felt like uh, you know, like Metal Injection was my own thing, and like like I made that happen. But like for uh, an established entity to like like welcome you in, you know, it, it really felt like legitimizing. And I especially noticed it in terms of like how much more uh, attention I would get. Like, uh, not not to say that it was like more or less. It's just like a, a reaffirmation. Like, oh hey, I just heard you on the radio. You know, like that kind of thing. Like no, like because you know, Sirius is such a huge fucking monolith entity that it's everywhere. It's like in, it's in people's cars. Whereas like with metal injection, you have to go and visit the website to access the content. Whereas like Sirius comes to you. So uh, that was that was really really cool, and it was that was another one of those moments like we're talking about, like like where you like kind of your internal monologue is like flipping out, and because <laughs> uh, being in that building is so crazy because you never know who the fuck is walking around. Like I I came in one day uh, for like an early meeting, you know, because my shift was at night, uh, which I loved. It was like my end of the day. Ritualist, like I finish my metal injection work, go into the city and record my show. Um, but like sometimes I go in the middle of the day and be like, you know, I'd have a meeting. And then, oh, by the way, uh, Slash is here. Do you want to go say hi to Slash? I'm like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, let's do it. Or like Jason Newstead. I met so many people there that it's just like, what the fuck? You know, or like even celebrity, like, like uh, I was again in uh, Jose Mangan, who obviously is still there, uh, who was my boss at the time. I was just in his office. And like out of nowhere, Justin Bieber just stops. I was like, "Hey guys, thanks for everything." I'm like, it's like, where am I right now? It's what? Like crazy dream. I think that was even like my first day at Sirius. Uh, so okay. it's just like, what the? So it was really fun. Like Noah obviously is gone. Like she works there full time, and she's worked there for a while. And for me, it was just like a freelance DJ gig that lasted for a bit. Uh, but then. Uh, then I moved on. It was just like a, they just kind of, it was like more, I think like a budget thing. I don't even remember, but it was for the, like, it was like, I did it. It's great. Like by the end, it kind of became, uh, I hate to say it like 
a little tedious, like in the sense of like I got everything that I wanted from it, and it was just like another job. Like I, I, I don't want to make it seem like I hate, like I loved it, yeah, but yeah. it was just like you know, like after finishing a full day of work, to then have to go and like leave my house and like go into the city and like do another job, it just kind of, I kind of was just like, uh, again, dreading it is too extreme, but it was just kind of like, oh, I think this is the point. Like it reached the point where like, all right. We can move on. Like we, we could all part ways, and it'll be fine. Were you feeling like I'm just ODing on too much metal now? It's like I work a metal job all yeah. day and later on. Yeah, and it was just like I have no personal time, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I again, like I could have, you know, I make my own schedule, so I could have made personal time. But it was just like the way my day was structured. It would just be like a full day's worth of work. For metal injection and then a few extra hours so like a eight hour day becomes like a 12 hour day or you know or a nine ten hour day yeah, yeah. one thing i want i want to mention too is the squared circle thing kind of yes your project did that kind of come together because maybe you were getting a little burnt out of like the same thing yeah but uh, yeah, just to explain to people, it's like uh, you're basically interviewing wrestlers, but also tying in your your music knowledge and just kind of connecting to like the music they listen to and everything. And you've been like talking to everybody now. It's been amazing and like how that's grown. And, yeah, how's that experience? For you? Yeah, it was kind of, uh, I created that podcast uh, about three or four years ago and it, Honestly, it was like, mo- like the, the real reason I created it was that I saw that, like the way the idea came in my head was that I saw Scott Kelly from Neurosis followed the Young Bucks. And I was like, whoa. Like, and this is before world's Young so Bucks. Yeah, like this is before AEW. You know, this is when Young Bucks, like you really had to be into wrestling, like really into it to know who they were. And I was like, whoa, Scott Kelly's like a legit wrestler. Like, he's not just like a WWE fan. You know, like how metalheads are like, oh, I like Metallica. That's not, you're not a metal fan, which I'm not like that. Like, if you like Metallica, you're fine with me. But still, it's like, oh, when someone's like, oh, you like, you know, Grindcore, like, let's let's talk. So that's, so when I was like, I want to talk to Scott Kelly about wrestling. But it's like, why would Scott Kelly talk to me about wrestling? Uh, it was him, and then like I would watch PWG shows, and I would see Adam Jones from Tool uh, in in there. I'm like, I want to fucking talk to Adam Jones about wrestling, uh, which I haven't yet. He he's still <laughs> he's he's my white whale. I, I've talked to Scott and a bunch of other people that I wanted. Um, so then I, that's how I was just like, why don't I just create a podcast? Talk like initially the idea was talking to uh, metal musicians about wrestling, but when I started it, I started getting uh interest from wrestlers to do uh the show and, I, and there's a lot of wrestlers that are metalheads so i was like oh we can go the other way as well i can go and talk to like bubble ray dudley about uh his love of 80s metal or uh or whatever and and like really like i had no like i'm not like oh this is gonna make me a million dollars it's just like this is just a fun thing to do and maybe i can get into a few shows for free and it like it's worked out beyond my wildest expectations to the point where now it's kind of morphed into like just interviewing wrestlers mostly just because like all the guys and bands that i wanted to interview i've I've done already although there's still 
uh, a few more. But then, like, it led to new opportunities where, like, I email, like, I have contacts with WWE, contacts with AEW, and it's so crazy to just talk to these wrestlers and, like, hang out with them and, and uh, just get to know them. And, and it's been very invigorating and, and really fun. Yeah, it's, it's so sick and like yeah yeah i just noticed like you had moxley on and everything sort of right like... yeah and that was just like you know i started talking to their publicist and they were like oh well who do you want to interview and i was gonna like uh you know my first request was darby allen you know i figured like oh let me be reasonable they're not gonna give me like you know for example chris jericho even though i've had him on yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like i've just said like I, they wouldn't give me like the main event but then i'm like well fuck it let me ask for uh john moxley if they say no whatever and then they were into it and he was a he was a great conversation and like all these wrestling dudes are are really cool and like the highlight for me was i went to uh the first new japan g1 show in dallas last year literally actually one year ago today it came up in my time hop uh and um they were doing a press conference the day before and i was in town and i know a few like wrestling bloggers now just you know just from whatever and i emailed i was like oh hey do you do you know anyone in new japan and they got me a last minute contact and like the morning of they were like yeah come you can you can we'll give you press credentials Uh... (laughs) and that was like like just going like i have a, a a new japan press pass that like that was worth doing this like <laughs> oh know, this i kind of see it keeps fading out with the background there it is oh that's so cool <laughs> yeah so i was very excited about that and that was like that was worth it <laughs> that was yeah, worth like the, doing the, the podcast the voice, uh, talking about this kind of compared to the metal stuff it seems like this had kind of invigorated your excitement for doing media it's something fresh like a new world you're kind of like stepping yeah uh well like i i love metal uh still like i don't uh but it's kind of become a job like it's my job uh and and i don't mean that necessarily in a bad way but it's just like it's what i'm doing all day so i need i need uh something to distract me like not that it's not metal and and wrestling is that and wrestling has been a a passion of mine forever as like one of my since my earliest memories uh even before i got into music so it's been really fun to kind of bring these two passions together and like because honestly uh like last year or two years ago i went to more wrestling shows than metal shows just because i was like i i get it i've been to like every like i get metal like it's just the every band like eight times by now yeah and like the just the idea of going to a show like it started becoming such a hassle like oh it's so loud everyone's bumping me everyone's drunk you know like all these things that you don't really notice because you're like i love going to metal shows so it's like if i'm feeling this way i should just take a break you know uh and like instead i would go to wrestling shows and and it'd be really fun and it was just like a whole different thing and then it was fun to go and do something and just be a fan and not have to work or worry about like writing a recap or, or whatever not that i really have to do that going to metal shows but still it's it's just like got a network and all that stuff and like this is just much more low stakes which i appreciate yeah, for sure and i can imagine too uh your experience of like years and years and years of doing metal and and then kind of jumping over to that wrestling world like you've had like so much like uh, experience of knowing how to deal with different publicists and other layers that people don't even see when they see the final project of this media stuff so 
of course you're getting guys like Moxley and Jericho and stuff like in the early stages of this because you kind of uh, know how to like kind of I don't know like deal with um, the proper way of like media here. Yeah, and I have the benefit of metal injection with the the wrestling like because uh, wrestling wrestling companies constantly want uh, mainstream attention or like attention in, in niches that aren't their own. So. I have this really popular metal website and you know i just have to show them the statistics like here's where it'll run here's the traffic here's our facebook fans whatever and uh you know this is promotion for your outlet so thankfully it's been a pretty easy pitch i've sometimes been surprised at how easy it's been to get certain people like i got lucky enough like i was able to have like a 20 minute phone conversation with cm punk uh when he was doing his ufc fight just because they were just looking for press opportunities outside of combat sports so uh so, so like that really works into my benefit that i'm like not a wrestling pot like it's a wrestling podcast but it's like a wrestlers talking about music podcast is kind of how I, I pitch it so uh having an angle is very helpful uh with like if we want to even just talk about pitching like you have to realize like to the person you're pitching uh the, yeah they're doing you a favor but there has to be something in it for them otherwise it's a waste of time like why would anybody like it, it's like a friend could do a favor for you but th this is business you know so uh, you have to present it to them like why is it in your best interest to come on my show and then this can uh, this is really like anything like not necessarily podcasting, any sort of uh, venture where you want someone to help you. Um, and actually, like as an aside, if you've never read it, I highly recommend reading like at least the first two chapters of how to win friends and influence people, because it'll absolutely help with this sort of thing of like, you know, pitching and like how to get people on your show and stuff. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out too. Yeah, that's a. Uh... It's like a, it's an old, it's like a book from the fifties, but like everything that it, it says, I mean, really like the, the crux of the thesis is in the first two chapters and the rest of the book is just examples showing how the methodology works. So you don't, you just really have to read the first two chapters. And I, I find like um, a common question I get to is like, Oh, how do you get the guess? How did you get this guy? How do you get that guy? And uh, it's kind of cool that you talked about like um, just that, layer to media in a way because lots of people from the outside looking in they don't they don't know how it works they think you just like maybe call chris jericho and beg him or whatever but there's uh there's layers of like little middlemen here and there and like you said you have yeah. to have something that benefits them as well and filters are there to make sure it's worth the time yeah to that end like a lot of the interviews I got were because the person is promoting something specific. So it's a lot of it is timing. Like with Chris Jericho, he was promoting a new Fozzie record, I think. And so I kind of got him like through his music publicist. Uh, that's how I made that work out. But, and let's, I'm trying to think of like with CM Punk, it was just cause he was doing a UFC press day and they were looking for outlets uh, to do that weren't just combat sports. Uh, but sometimes there, I have just cold, uh, tweeted somebody like, hey, I have this podcast uh, on this website. Uh, would you want to talk for half an hour? And it totally worked out. Uh, Kenny Omega retweet. I think he, he follows Metal Injection cool. or uh, like or like he retweeted something from Metal Injection. 
And I was just like, holy shit. Like, and this was like peak Kenny Omega, like right when he was oh. about to win the, like when he was feuding with Okada. Oh, so God was, Kenny Omega. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, and like. Yeah, people who don't know wrestling, just Kenny Omega was like Jesus of pro wrestling for a few years. <laughs> and, and he's a metalhead. So I, I just, I was like, hey, I saw you retweeted us. Uh, awesome to see that and maybe we could do a quick conversation sometime just talking about what bands you like and he was like yeah I'd love to do it and we were DMing and it was like you know it took maybe six months uh, of, of like pestering him and by pestering him I mean I would just send him a message every few weeks like hey uh, don't mean to bother you like again he doesn't owe me anything he doesn't even though he said he would do the show he's a busy guy and he's in Japan so it's like you got to be very careful with your wording so you don't come off needy because if, if somebody senses that they're not going to want to work with you and so i would just be very nice just like hey uh if you happen to have a uh, free time this week just let me know what time works for you i'll make it. and like he gave me no exaggeration three hours notice like hey i'm free this time and i just dropped everything because i was like i need to do this and it, i was like so sweaty doing the interview i'm like oh my god i'm talking to like my favorite wrestler right now but he was he was the nicest guy so uh whatever method works to getting the the interview but it still has to be worth it for the other person yeah yeah i find i've been following or falling into interviews like a little organically now too uh because um i don't know i just want to say this too because like i know a lot of like content creators like check out my show as well that um when you're given like this opportunity like i have some times where i'm given a guest where they're a lot bigger than my platform, but I feel like it's my duty, like when you get those moments, to just knock the interview out of the fucking park, like get prepared, just fucking attack it. And then uh, I noticed from doing that, it's just leading to more and more because the public, they come back to the publicist and they're like, oh, how was that? And they say, oh, that was phenomenal or whatever. And uh, I even had a, like, I forgot about this, but uh, I had a moment where uh, I might even cut this part of the interview, but uh, I got a connection with Kenny Omega recently, but um, it was in the weirdest, untraditional way. Um, I was interviewing this director. Uh, it was a film festival in Toronto every year. And um, this one PR company was like, oh, can you talk to this guy? And it was very last minute. So I'm just looking at his IMDb, see his list. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll talk to him. And then I watched his movie like, literally like an hour before the, the fucking interview. I get in there and I'm talking and I'm talking and then all of a sudden the battery starts going out in my Zoom recorder. And I'm like, oh shit, um, I need to find a plug. Can we pause the interview? So I press pause. And then from that, he just, just starts making small talk. He's like, oh, what kind of people do you have on your show? So then sometimes like comedians, musicians, and pro wrestlers, He's like, oh, wrestlers, eh? He's like, you're in the wrestling. And I'm like, yeah. And so this conversation would never happen unless my battery was about to die. And uh, he's, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps telling him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, have you heard of Kenny Omega? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, of course. I'm like, I'm like, you're into Japanese wrestling? Because this was still around, like, the whole, like, uh, it was pre-AEW time and stuff. And, um, He's like, yeah, have you heard of the, the documentary they did on, on TSN? Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't get to watch it. I don't have cable. He's like, well, I directed it. And then he just starts going off. He's like, 
yo, if you want to talk to Kenny, it's like maybe next time he's in Toronto, me and him could do your show together. And I'm just like, <laughs> like you don't even know what you're saying. And uh, yeah, um, apparently AEW was kind of planning to come to Toronto, but then since the world like kind of shifted and stuff, so that's going to be put on the back burner. But it was such like a cosmic like universe moment of my batteries like getting cut off or and then it's, that conversation should have never happened. And I that wasn't like listed on his credentials online. Because I think I, I clicked on something where it only showed his movies. It didn't show all the TV shows he did. And, uh, it's just, that doc was pretty good, too. I don't it's, know if you it's, it's amazing. He followed him around for like a good year. That was sick. Do you ever have any like cosmic moments of shit just coming together just randomly? And, like, yeah, like there's been so many connections I've made that have been kind of just like that. Like how you mentioned, just hanging out backstage and like smoking a joint with somebody and then learning that they're like some high ranking like rolling stone editor or something like that and then just like oh hey uh maybe we should work together you know like and then something comes out of that uh yeah that's that's the other that's the other uh way is just like being around like people people are uh it's a very small like metal specifically but i feel like any entertainment industry it's a very small industry it's a very small circle of people and uh another piece of advice that took me a while to learn is you need to be nice to everybody because while like this publicist like this no no name publicist who reps no bands like is of no use to you right now you know uh two weeks later they could just end up getting a job at the largest metal record label and now be representing all of these bands that you're dying to talk to and because you were so rude and you blew them off two weeks before they're never going to work with you meanwhile if you're like really nice to everybody which is mostly what i try to do <laughs> unless <laughs> someone pisses me off but if you're really nice to everybody uh people you know like in any like in any career you know people work their way up the ladder and then like people that are interns or or assistants eventually get the job and become the one in charge and they know they know who their real friends are because they're the ones that worked with them back when they were nobody and so like uh i found that just being around uh metal for 16 years there's turnover and just like people like the exact thing i'm saying like people that were interns when i first started that would like that the publicist would just you know send them to me because we were such a small website are now the people running the whole department and i'm still directly interacting with them because they realize the value of metal injection because of how long we've worked together and there's been so many instances of people like there's been people where i might not necessarily have been mean to them but i'm just like oh who the fuck is this asshole but then like two months later it's like oh i need to be this asshole's best friend because <laughs> i i, I want to get these interviews you know and, and i mean like that sounds a little like shit like i'm not just friends with people just based on, like on what they can do for me but i'm just saying like if you're if you're working in an industry you can't be shitty to people because it's a very small industry word gets around and if people if somebody doesn't want to work with you they're going to tell their friends not to work with you either and you don't want that and I'm sure it maybe like back in the early days too, you inspired some people or just kind of like um, just cross paths with certain people. Like you weren't even thinking, maybe you just like 
share a blunt with them in a green room and then later on like you mentioned they're up the ladder and they're like oh this guy's kind of cool and like let's yeah let's them up today you know yeah and like the other thing with metal is like everyone is dressed shitty <laughs> so like you know this guy who looks like a homeless person could be like the head of a and r at roadrunner or whatever that you just don't know who this person is but they're like a really powerful high-end sony executive or whatever uh and uh i actually had a like now that we're like into it i had a pretty wild moment last year when i met dave grohl and um and the way i met him was uh there's a annual uh tribute to dimebag daryl called dime bash it's just like everybody comes and does does cover songs you know and and uh grohl started his barbecue company recently so he was cooking barbecue for the show which was for like the backstage vips like the artists and so like anyone who's anyone in metal is at this party it's in la anyone who's anyone's at this party and like it's the first time i've ever seen like metal artists kind of like get starstruck <laughs> like everyone in the room is just like their eyes were like going and like what's dave doing what's dave doing what, what's and like <laughs> There was like different variants of like how much people were fanboying out. Like some people were just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going right up to him and I'm taking a photo. And then others were like, like looking at the, like they were at the zoo, <laughs> like just staring at him. And I even caught myself doing that. And I'm like, Rob, what are you doing? Like, get yeah. out of here. Like someone could see you. This is embarrassing. But I just, I just couldn't help it because he is just like a real, real celebrity you know like, just felt like an energy off of too it's just like oh my god yeah well so the craziest thing that happens is like i'm a, i haven't said anything to him and i'm like i'm like working up what i'm gonna say <laughs> like i, like, <laughs> I can't i, I don't want to make an ass of myself and then someone comes to grab him to go on stage to do a song and he passes by me and i swear like this is like a movie passes by me he turns around, makes the most intense eye contact with me. And already I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know? <laughs> and he's like, are you from Virginia? And I was so bummed out. I'm like, oh, no, but I wish I was. Uh, so he like, thought you were somebody else. That's still yeah, cool. he thought, he, well, then he's like, do you know Guar? And I'm like, of course I know Guar. He's like, did you do a video with Guar? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I worked on their DVD a few years ago. And he's like, dude, I love that video. You're so funny. And I'm like, dude, I love you. Or I think he said something like, dude, I love you. And I'm like, dude, I love you. Like, I, I gave it back to him. And I'm like, what the fuck is going Like, Dave Grohl is fanboying out about me? Like, what? Yeah, like, and like, my friends came up to me because they heard like yelling. <laughs> like, so at this point, he, he's like, dude, I got to go play a song. Don't go anywhere. Like, I'm not moving. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not here. moving. I'm standing right here. And my friends come up with like, what the fuck was that about? And I was just like, I think Dave Grohl is a fan of mine. <laughs> Which is like, what the what is happening? And like and and so the the show went until like one and again, like he's feeding everyone, whatever. I'm giving like I want to talk to him. And like so we talk a little. He says he's watched like these Guar videos we did with them like ten years ago. He's watched them a million times. He's quoting verbatim the entire video, like, I, I like what is going like I can't I can't express to you how like what what level of emotion I was feeling of like like there was so much happening and like also 
Dave Grohl as, as an artist meant so much to me that like I there's so much I want to say that like I don't know how to say it without sounding like like a total you know doofus. Yeah, yeah, um, kind of so I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I'm, 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 we're just, I'm just hanging out, and then like, he's just so busy. He's like, dude, just hang out. Like as soon as this is done, we're gonna chill. And like, the show ended at one. We were there until like three thirty, <laughs> and finally we got to talk to him and like, hang out, and and we took some photos, and he was so nice, so unbelievably cool, and like. He's just like stopped it. He's telling everyone like this guy is so funny. He did it, and I'm like, what? Like, like he's talking. He's telling Chuck Billy from Testament about like this fucking Guar video, and he's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's, that's cool. And like Chuck Billy wants to meet Dave Grohl too, so he's like, cool, yeah, great, you know, whatever. Friends with him, and it's just like, oh, that's so. Yeah, well, like we we already uh, know Chuck. Not to like blow it out, like Chuck Billy, another like huge star, but like you really see the tears of it, you know. So, and like, that was it. Like, I didn't sleep that whole night. <laughs> you know, I got home, I, like, I got to the hotel at like four in the morning. I had to be up at like eight. I I was just up the whole night. I was like, like, oh, I can't believe that. Uh, holy shit, holy shit. Yeah. But in his, his defense, those Guar videos were fucking hilarious, man. Those were they, they were, and it really was like, I like, it was like one of those things like, man, Dave Brock, yeah, I have to thank him again. Look at what, how much, how many gifts he has brought to me, yeah, like beyond, yeah. beyond the comedy. It was just like, just being in a video with him, uh, allowed me that moment with Dave Grohl, which I'm like, I, I'll cherish forever. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's such a beautiful story too. From rest in peace, Dave Brocky. That's uh, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, I feel like I can talk to you for like nine hours. <laughs> 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 but, um, I don't want to take too much of your time. Maybe down the road we'll do like a second one. Uh, sure. You know, I, I didn't even really jump into the wrestling shit yet. And I know that's one thing too, like what's really cool about uh, everything is uh, I had a moment with you when I've seen some of your tweets like maybe five years ago about like man wrestling. I'm like, oh my God, somebody else is into this shit. It's like none of my friends are into like that niche like fucking wicked japanese stuff yeah i felt the same way i felt the same way when i learned that you liked it because it was like uh the only other person that uh watches new japan that i know is darren yeah yeah and he's not as into it as i like he doesn't follow it as closely as i do so like you were the first other person that i knew that was like oh my god we could like flip out about like very like when you showed me that photo of you and naito i was like oh my god oh yeah that's like, amazing yeah. i like that <laughs> profile picture i'm like nobody knows how special that is to me and it's yeah. crazy too. it's just like kind of like my career in toronto doing videography i like i've been in rooms with like fucking drake and like all these fucking people not even like phased night i see naito i'm just like <gasps> like deer in the headlights and he noticed it <laughs> he's just like he kind of waved <laughs> we we had this like this this awkward exchange but he was he was super nice and uh, but what's funny about that situation too is they were setting up a meeting greet that you were supposed to pay for but i didn't know i kind of got in the venue a little early and i just like oh naito's beside me and i just started like having like this this conversation with them and it was obviously like a big like uh, language barrier and, but uh it was so cool I, I asked him for a picture and he's just like one second and then walked away and i'm like oh i just got blown off by naito he comes back he has the iwgp title puts it on my shoulder 
I give my phone to my cousin who was with me, and then he's just like, he did the eye thing. I'm like, ah, ah so cool, <laughs> so cool that he was like, no, we can't take this photo until I, I get the belt. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Even I think the whole show, I kept missing moments. I kept opening my phone. I'm like, oh my god, this is photo. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely understand. Like, that's how I felt when I went to that press conference. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so close to these people. And, uh, yeah, like with New Japan, I feel like it's weird. Like, it's such a special thing that if you don't follow it, you don't really kind of get it. And it was like I don't have that many friends who are into New Japan or like into it, you know, like like we like we are. And uh, so talking about that G1 show and like going to a New Japan show, it's so wild because it feels like, oh, my God, these are my people. Like everyone understands all the references that I, I would make here. And like some of them are even more hardcore than I like. I'm not even like that hardcore compared to like people had like intricate like cosplay outfits and everything, you know, like so it was like it was so cool. And New Japan fans are my favorite. They're like the most polite, legit fans. Yeah, true, true. Like, they really respect uh, the art form. Because it's beyond, like, just, like, crazy, like, soap opera. Like, first thing, we don't even speak the language. And uh, even though they got a lot of North American guys there, too, but it's more about, like, just uh, the in-ring action. Yeah, it's it's treated more like a sport, I feel. And, yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, not happening in New York this year. Uh, yeah, one thing I waited... Uh, like uh, <coughs> long I mentioned to you that uh, I always wanted to first. I was going to go check it out. And also check out Madison Square Garden for the first time. Oh, it's beautiful! It's my favorite. And, uh, hit venue. me up while I was in New York to do this. But, yeah, well, maybe if they if they do end up doing it next year, if the world isn't over, that's when we could, we could set up a follow up podcast in person. Then, yeah, I, I'd love that. And I got Madison Square Garden in your background right now. This is, the, I guess, the next next. Oh, there you go. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, again, Rob, thank you so much for your time. Um, before we go, like, uh, let's plug all the shit. Uh, you got you got the podcast, double podcast, live cast. Sure, yeah. I'll do, I, well, before plugging, I want to thank you for having me on. And I want to just say, like, I'm so honored and happy that, like, our podcast inspired you to create this really cool thing like i've been following uh this podcast and like your, your social media and it's so cool to see like the level of guests you were getting like you're talking about all the wrestlers i got like you've talked to plenty of big like you've talked to like lashley and, and all these like big time wrestlers too so it's cool to see that like you kind of were inspired by what we were doing and you applied it to yourself into how like to into doing like you're not doing your version of metal injection you're doing what you wanted to do just based on being inspired from us doing what we wanted to do so like that's really cool to me yeah i think that's one big thing i took out like or like i learned from all you guys is it's like it's important like if you're going to go for something to be you and do it in your own way and just like that's what makes it unique. That's what makes it like something different and attractive. And like, that's like, uh, like we mentioned at the beginning of this interview too, that's what uh, got me into metal injection. And you guys kind of been in a way, even though I'm not do like you mentioned doing a metal injection, like carbon copy, but you've been like kind of a blueprint of giving me a boost of confidence to just kind of be myself and 
even early live cast times i was doing like this random comedy shit and you guys would play and i get such a, like a huge like reaction <laughs> and like random people from like new york start following me on like all these social media so it kind of um like uh around that time in my life i was like a bit like sheltered and shy but i always had like um these passions in me and it's just kind of like you guys kind of helped in a time kind of learn in certain ways how to present them i think what i'm trying to say but, uh, yeah like you saw that we're like oh we're just regular schmoes and we're just doing it <laughs> why why can't why can't you be a regular schmo and do it right like that's hopefully yeah. that's what we uh <laughs> yeah, you're, you guys are beyond regular schmoes but... yeah now we're now we're like celebrities but yeah, back yeah. then Rawls <laughs> like a huge fan like what the fuck yeah i mean like i yeah, I don't. It, it it really took a while to be uh, <laughs> less self-deprecating and like accept it. Like, no, no, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, uh, like uh, uh, to wrap it up, to wind it down. Uh, like I was invited to a Tool listening party when their album uh, was coming out. I guess that was last year. When was this? Yeah, last year. Holy Definitely shit! A year ago. Yeah, so like, yeah, like last July, I got a, a email from the publicist like, hey, we're not doing promos, but if you want to listen to the album beforehand, we're going to play it. Like we're doing a listening session at a recording studio in New York. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And uh, we waited so long for that album, too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like we were like the first people to hear the album outside of like their friends and engineers and whatever, which I was just like. Like, I was looking around the room, and, like, it's, like, Spin and Rolling Stone and, like, these, like, big-time things. And uh, I emailed the publicist, like, oh, thank you so much for including me and treating me like a serious outlet. (laughs) And she she responded, like, well, you are a serious outlet. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Like, she's a friend of mine, so she was kidding. But, uh, like, I don't know the passion of how you started it, too. And, like, just, like, it's unreal how it grown too and even, right yeah like, i feel you, like yeah. i have to check myself too in that way too where i am naturally like self-deprecating myself all the time i think that's also why i love listening to the live cast <laughs> it's just like yeah you guys are like all like a similar personality so it's such yeah a like it's, it's a balance it's a balance with the self-deprecating because if you're too self-deprecating you might like kind of like unintentionally hurt your brand like oh this isn't a serious thing so you you do still have to like put yourself over and like present like the the like present your best foot like as opposed to like oh it's this little website i do you know like you know it's kind of like humanizes yourself if you you take a little tiny jab here and there but it's important to not to do it all the time yeah without even listening Oh yeah, this guy doesn't believe in it. Why shouldn't I? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. What? Um, cool. Yeah. So my plug. So yes, my website metalinjection.net, not .com, .net, and then uh, I have a podcast, Metal Injection Livecast. It's every Tuesday, six thirty p.m. Eastern. Metalinjection.net/slash/livecast is the URL for that. And then if you're a wrestling fan. Check out my Wrestling Meets Metal podcast, metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit. And then I'm Rob Injection on all socials. If you want to follow me or just see my tweets about what a terrible country I live in right now. <laughs> <do that. laughs> Say what up. He's a friendly guy. And also, a big shout out to uh, 
Frank, Noah, Reedy, Sid, um, any of the other people in the past from Metal Injection. <laughs> I know there's been some like who's come and gone too, but uh, yeah, like I, I mentioned this many times, it's like really inspired me to kind of push this forward. And I appreciate it, and it's uh, it's special to me to have you on this show. Finally, <laughs> even like at the beginning inception, I always had you in my mind, but uh, finally, just kind of stopped. Yeah, I'm genuinely honored. Like I'm flattered that you you would have me on. Thanks once again to Rob for joining me on the show. And once again, sorry for the audio issue. I promise it won't happen again. And before we sail off in the sunset, I want to give my condolences to a fellow Metal Injection live cast member. Noah, her dog Bruno, recently passed away. And he was kind of like another member of the show in... Uh, added some comedy like coming in and, and like farting and like disrupting the show and and was just all around a beautiful dog and another reason why i'm bringing that up is in memory of her dog bruno she has created a fundraiser for a nonprofit organization called positive tales and positive tales funds medical care for abused animals assisting families who can't afford the medical treatment for their sick or injured pets, and working towards reducing the population of unwanted dogs and cats. It's a wonderful cause, and if you're interested in donating, just type in your web browser, www.inmemoryofbruno.com. Once again, inmemoryofbruno.com. And like always, we're going to end with a song, and I think it's fitting to close one out with Guar. The band that connected Robert to his biggest fan, David Grohl. Uh, that's such an awesome story. But anyways, we'll catch you next time. And this is Guar with their song, Fuck This Place. Peace. You're the running into it all